Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeman, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We are finally closing down on some live UFC fights. It has been seemingly forever since we've gotten to see them. We're getting hyped for them, and we want to get you hyped for them too. So we've got a brand new segment that we're coming out with today where we are going to get you jacked up with some low-key fights from the past we got fights from ufc wec and pride that we think you should watch to get yourself jacked up for about 10 days from now which is when we're going to get to see those live fights plus we are talking with Corey sanhagen number four bantamweight in the ufc about the upcoming bantamweight title fight he's going to tell us what he thinks about dominic cruz getting that title shot and it's a pretty interesting take so make sure you tune in for that But before you do, i got to let you know that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by the Fight Call app. The Fight Call app is a brand new way of playing daily fantasy sports. And and let me tell you something. They they are launching pretty soon. They're, They're launching later on in the summer. And they've got an absolutely awesome format. Their format is you can pick any fight card from UFC or Bellator. And you don't have to worry about salary caps. You don't have to worry about trying to figure out, you know, like whether or not you can buy the players that you really believe in or the fighters you really believe. No, 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 no. You just predict the fights. That's it. You're going to select who you think is going to win, how they're going to win, and in what round they're going to win. That's it. You do that. You do it better than everybody else, and you're going to win the pot. And that's the coolest part about this app, the Fight Call app, because they just want to prove who knows fights best. And, And there are so many different other players out there that just don't get to the heart of that idea. So make sure that you check out GetFightCall.com because they're going to keep you in the loop. And not only are they going to keep you in the loop, but they're going to give away a $25 gift card to the UFC store every single week until they launch. That's right. Every single week you got a chance to win some free gear. So go on over there, put your email address in, give yourself some constant updates on when the Fight Call app is going to be out, and give yourself some free merch in the process. Fight Call app brings you this episode of Top Turn On MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking to the number four ranked UFC bantamweight, Corey Sanhagen. Corey, I want to start by talking about the the 135-pound title picture right now. Obviously, it's a weird situation. Cejudo first asked for Jose Aldo coming off of a loss. And now that he can't make it, they're going with Dominic Cruz, who's coming off a three-year layoff during this, this May 9th card. Give us sort of your thoughts on the situation, on where the division lies in sort of their decision-making process. Well, I mean, the decision is obviously a uh, is a business decision, right? I don't I don't know who it's more from, if it's more from the UFC or if it's more from Henry, but I mean, it's clearly a business decision to, uh, I mean, make more money, which is uh, completely fine, you know. I, the UFC is a business uh, at the end of the day, and it has to bring in some money. Uh, it does suck for the, I would say maybe the four of us, you know the. Uh, me, Jan, Sterling, and Marais, it does suck for us four because I feel like, I mean, Marais beat Aldo, <laughs> and Aldo is fighting for a shot, and then I, I would argue that I have one of the better resumes. Um, Jan's been coming up, and then, uh, I mean, Sterling's had a, a, a ton of fights also, and uh, I mean, so I, I think our arguments logistically are a lot 
stronger than obviously a Cruz or a, or an Aldo, but at the end of the day, Aldo and Cruz have the biggest names out of us four. So um, it, it's strictly a business decision, you know, which I I get has to be the case sometimes. Uh, and building your name takes time; it doesn't happen overnight. And I think uh, me, Jan, and Sterling are kind of figuring that out. <laughs> Yeah, and I was going to ask you, too, because, you know, you said it's a business decision and it's about name value. Like, if those guys have name value from being in the, the UFC for, you know, half a dozen years or a dozen years, in, in Cruz's case, what do you have to do in order to build that name brand other than just continuing to win? Yeah, I mean, I just have to win, man. Like, it's uh, it's a little bit of a challenge for me. I, I would consider myself a little bit more of an old school guy as far as, like, uh, just being sport, and that's kind of it. Uh, in my head, you know, uh, I think that there's two edges to that sword. I think it's made me really good. Um, just focusing on the, I'm only getting better every single day so I can beat all of my competitors. But at the, on the other side, it, it does, uh, it does make me, um, I guess susceptible to getting a little bit overlooked if I'm not, uh, kind of the loudest guy in the room or, or whatever. But, um, I don't think it necessarily has to be that way. To be honest, I think it's just a lot of time. You look at people like uh, Khabib, like Max, um, Aldo even, you know, like they, they didn't, they're, they're, all of those guys are superstars and they don't, they're not a, a huge personality, I would argue, as far as trash talking and all of that. So honestly, man, I just think it's about making wins, uh, making wins happen so that the UFC wants to invest more of their marketing in me. Uh, and then when that happens, I think that I'm not, uh, I, I think that I'm a fairly likable guy. So I think when that happens, I think that people will start to get on board a little bit with me and then it'll only help me more. But I, I just need big wins right now. That's what I need. Well, we'd certainly agree with that. Now, you're, you're going to be fighting sometime in the near future. Of course, that's a question mark for a lot of fighters. What's sort of your situation around fighting? Are, are you looking for a fight right now? Are you hoping that they book you on one of these upcoming cards? Or are you more taking the, the sit and wait and approach and kind of waiting for all of this stuff to blow over? Well, it's kind of hard, man. Like, I go through an ethical battle. It feels like almost every single day of whether I should fight. Uh, because in order for me to get in a proper training camp, I would need training partners. Um, and just kind of figuring out, well, how do I best? do that in order to keep myself from getting sick and then keep my loved ones from getting sick. I live 15, 20 minutes away from my parents. Uh, I live with my girlfriend and another roommate. My other roommate works on, uh, she, she does like body work and stuff, kind of like a, a massage therapist. So if I get her sick, she can't go to work when everything kind of starts to open up a little bit. If I get my girlfriend sick, she has older parents and she has a, a grandma that she would like to see, I'm sure, as soon as she can. And if I'm training throughout this whole time, I mean, I could potentially get her sick if I'm being stupid about who I'm training with. So, I mean, it's not an easy question. You know, I even thought about just kind of moving out and doing just isolating myself while I was kind of training with some training partners. But I don't know, man, it's, it's a tough ethical decision to make, uh, but it sounds like things are getting a little bit better. Um, some of the states are starting to open up. I know that Colorado is, while they still are going to have some regulations, they're not going to have as many starting next week. So, uh, but at the end of the day, man, like this is my job and this is how I put food on the table. And uh, if the, if my job is going to keep going, then I also need to keep going. And 
right now is a really crucial time for me, especially in the 135 or in the 135 division in general. It's a really crucial time. Uh, they're going to be looking for who's going to be next after the screws and pseudo fight. So if I can score something in, in June, then, uh, I mean, that's crucial. Absolutely. And, and it sounds like, so right now it sounds like you're, you're not doing hardly any training at all. What are you doing at home to stay as ready as you possibly can? Uh, I mean, I've been doing my strength and conditioning coach has been sending me stuff. So I've been doing that. I've been, uh, just doing a lot of stuff downstairs. I, I have like a, a Bob, one of the little heavy bags that has the face on it and stuff. But actually, man, that's actually a, a really solid training tool is the Bob. So, I mean, I've been hitting that, uh, I've been doing some, my, my roommate, while she's a massage therapist, she does a lot of, uh, she used to be a trainer too. So I've been doing some training stuff with her outside and I mean, just anything I can do to stay active. But I wouldn't lie if I if I wasn't saying that it was boring as hell after about like the second week. But uh, that's part of it, I guess. That's part of our world now. That that's certainly true. And and we're hoping you get to punch somebody in the face soon too. But in the meantime, uh, I have been asking everybody I've been interviewing during this time. Obviously, there are a lot of people at home dying for live fights, and and obviously they they're not getting them at this point in time. If you could have Everybody who's sitting at home, go back and watch one of your fights. Uh, which fight would you suggest uh, they go back and watch? Uh, I, I, well, I, I don't know. The, the Yuri Alcantara fight, I think, is by far the most exciting, only because I got my ass whooped for the first couple of minutes in that arm bar and then, uh, and then had a comeback. So I, I suppose I'd go with that one, even though that's not my proudest my proudest fight I'd, I'd argue that that's probably the most exciting so if they're as bored as i am then that's the one that i would watch <laughs> all right well we love the suggestion and we really thank you for the time once again fans this is number four ranked ufc bantamweight Corey sanhagen Corey, thanks so much for the time man we really appreciate it yeah no problem dan thanks for having me on man and that interview with Corey sanhagen is brought to you by maroon social M-A-R-U-N-E, Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiasts. They've got a great setup that allows you to track all of your martial arts training sessions, what you trained, how you trained, give yourself some notes, check on your progress week to week, month to month. It's amazing. And I know that maybe you guys out there are not training as much as you were, you know, before all this COVID scare. And I think that, you know, Maroon understood that. Maroon knows that you're not training as much. So they also wanted to add in a feature that allows you to track your exercise. So now you can track your exercise, and when you get back to martial arts, you can track that there too. So make sure you check it out wherever apps are downloaded. That's Maroon Social. Now I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's talk about Sanhagen. Sanhagen is far more understanding than even I am of this choice uh, to go with Dominic Cruz. I'd be livid if I was him. How about you? Yeah, he is far more understanding than I am as well. And I have to say, you know, it's tough for guys like Corey Sanhagen. Right now, there are no fights going on. So how does he continue to build his brand, as they say, and get his name out there? It's really tough right now. And also with the UFC, maybe hurting for those, you know, the eyeballs, the clicks, the ad revenue, what have you, they're going to just go to their money makers. I, I can almost guarantee you for the next several months. So it's a tough situation right now for everyone. Yeah, but I, I really do appreciate in all of that too, that he's just like, I, I'm going to be true to myself. Like I am never going to be that person. And, and I love too, that he, he looks up to, to past guys who have just, 
you know, like plotted ahead and just won. You know, he mentioned Jose Aldo back in the day was that guy, right? Like he just plotted ahead and won like 700 fights in a row. And that's how he got his notoriety. And he, he believes he can do the same. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him try. I, I'd love to see who they got to match it up with next, but obviously we got to wait a little bit for that. Well, you know what? I love the positivity and we're all about positivity and that's kind of the basis for our show today. We have a new segment we're debuting. Uh, we'll call it low-key fights and finishes. And what we mean by that is, listen, we are, you know, depending on when you listen to this, about nine days, maybe even as close as seven days away from fights again, unless something crazy happens, knock on wood. But I have faith uh, that we'll get, we'll get our Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje fight. And what we figured was, while you're filling time until fights are back on, hey, let's talk about some low-key fights that maybe don't get mentioned a ton right now or by the UFC, and you could go back and watch them, and you can hit us up on our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA, and tell us if you like our picks, if we miss something, if you hate them. We're accepting both love and hate feedback there. So, Gumby, before we get to this new segment of low-key fights and finishes that you should go and watch – before we're back to regular world fighting, does anyone sponsor said segment? Absolutely. Low-key fights and finishes is brought to you by BattleClan Gear. Visit BattleClanGear.com and make sure to use promo code TURTLEUP10, that's T-U-R-T-L-E-U-P, one zero for 10% off your whole order there. I love BattleClan gear, not only because of the way it looks, but it feels phenomenal while you're grappling. Nobody likes that real heavy stuff when you're grappling. This stuff is all super lightweight and looks phenomenal while it's on you. So make sure to head on over to BattleClan gear. Get yourself some post-quarantine grappling gear while you're sitting there clicking away. Once again, that's BattleClanGear.com. All right, so uh, let's start with, I'll cue you up to go first, and then I'll come in with my pick. We, of course, each picked our own. We'll see if we match up on anything, but I have a feeling we won't. So let's start with, uh, you know what, let's start with a low-key finish, so a low-key knockout. Uh, What was yours? All right, so my low-key knockout that I feel like not enough people know about is back in September of 2010, uh, at WEC 51, George Roop knocked out Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, the person who we think of as being almost impervious to knockouts, right? Like the dude has just been knocked out in uh, the UFC by, by that weird back elbow from Yair Rodriguez. And other than that, he's looked pretty much like he can take anything anybody dishes. And yet he couldn't take a head kick from from tough member uh, George Roop. I, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but George Roop throws the most perfect head kick. It just goes over the right shoulder of Chan Sung Jung, lands perfectly on the side of his head, and puts him out icy cold. And then George Roop stands over his body. And, and not to mention, it's like a phenomenal two-round fight, too. So if you're looking for something to watch uh, with like a phenomenal knockout at the end, definitely go check out... WEC 51 on Fight Pass, George Root knocks out Chan Sung Jung. All right, so I love that one. I have seen it. Great pick, low-key, coming from the WEC. I think I kind of cheated, Gumby, to be quite honest with you, because all my picks are from Pride. We all know I'm a Pride mark, as they say. And the way I looked at this is, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a hardcore MMA nerd like us, and I expect you probably know your history, but there's also a pretty good chance that maybe you don't because there are so many hardcore MMA nerds who are under 25 years old. I think they recently did some research that said the average MMA fan is like 18 to 20. 
It's something ridiculously young. Do you remember that study? Am I wrong in saying that? Yeah, somebody, especially on Twitter, they, they found the average MMA fan on Twitter is like 18 years old or something like that, which blew my mind because it made me feel like I'm 150. Yeah, so this is perfect. So I'm going pride, and, you know, if you are a pride mark like me, you'll say, well, this isn't low-key at all. We've seen these in all the flashbacks, but I'm talking to you, the newer MMA fan. Go back, watch Pride. It was so much fun. They were juiced up to the gills. And for my low-key finish, again, maybe not low-key within the vacuum of Pride, but low-key within the idea that it just doesn't get replayed enough, it's Mirko Krokop. Head kick KO over Igor Vachanchin at Pride Total Elimination in 2003. This is one of the nastiest head kick knockouts where, uh, in this case, Igor Vachanchin, great guy, by the way, you hate to see it happen to Igor, was pretty much out cold before he hit the floor. It is a nasty, nasty highlight reel finish. And I think what populated uh, the term, I think Krokop said it in the post-fight press conference, uh, you know, right leg hospital, left left leg cemetery, which is one of the most badass quotes of all time. Yeah, and I like how we both went head kick. Something about a head kick knockout for me. I, I don't know what it is, but they're my favorite. Very violent, but another story for another day. Let's go, you know what, we'll mix it up. We're going to end on sub. I want to go next to fight. Okay. So what's your low-key fight? The- Okay, because we're both grappling nerds, uh, and, and some people m- may have seen this one, it, it's not that recent. Uh, back in, let, let me get the year exactly correct, it is 2008, November of 2008, UFC 91. It's only a four-minute long fight, but it is my favorite, maybe my second favorite one-round fight of all time, and that's Dustin Hazlett versus Tamden McCrory. So those are two names you probably don't remember because both of them, didn't last that long in the UFC. One of them uh, disappeared off the face of the earth. The other one went to Bellator for a little while before coming back looking super strong. But they are two sort of nerdy looking skinny white dudes with great nicknames. One is the Barn Cat and one is McLovin. And, and they absolutely traded in an exciting way on the ground for four minutes nonstop before uh, a weird reverse armbar gets hit on Dustin Hazlett uh, or by Dustin Hazlett on Tamden McCrory. It is an exciting grappling match, so if you're a grappling nerd, make sure to check out UFC 91's Dustin Hazlett versus Tampin McCrory. I almost, I love that fight too, by the way. Uh, I almost feel like I have to rename the segment Loki, because this next fight, not Loki at all, but again, I'm talking to the 18-year-old that's probably never seen Pride. This was the fight of the year for 2002. Don Fry TKOing Yoshihiro Takayama. Uh, six minutes, ten seconds into the fight. But it's not the knockout that is what makes this fight famous. It's not anything that took place, you know, at minute six to minute six ten when the fight finally finished. It is the first minute and 30 seconds of this fight, maybe the craziest opening to a fight outside of uh, Jorge Masvidal kneeing Ben Askren dead. It is a crazy hockey fight. You know, the typical fight you see with guys on ice skates just right crossing each other to death. Only this was not on the ice. It was in a ring, in pride. Again, Yoshihiro Takayama, who is a giant of a man, against Don Fry, former UFC veteran, best mustache in the history of the game. Go out of your way to see that. It'll whet your appetite for when fights return next week. Plus, you get to see the, the Apollo Creed shorts on Don Fry, which is an added bonus. Ah, <laughs> oh, such a great point. 
Uh, all right, and now we'll finish things off. What's your low-key submission that people should go out of their way to watch? Ah, so if you're going all pride, I feel like uh, we probably won't have the same uh, submission here, although I thought we were going to have the same submission. Had to go heel hook, obviously, because uh, we both love the heel hooks. Uh, and I decided to go with, uh, if you've never seen it, back in 2011, there was a guy who was lighting the, the submission world on fire. His name was Paul Sass. He's a British guy. He had tons of triangle chokes. His triangle choke was absolutely amazing. In fact, I'm pretty sure he won his first seven fights by triangle choke. Um, and he continued doing stuff like that into the UFC. His UFC debut, he got a triangle choke. But in his second fight, UFC 2011, it was, I'm pretty sure, a UFC on, I want to say versus. Does that sound right? UFC on versus. Uh, he fought Michael Johnson, who, uh, you know, continues to be, you know, sniffing right around the top 15 of the UFC even 10 years later, almost 10 years later. But he caught Michael Johnson, not with his famous triangle, but he caught him with an inverted heel hook, which was just absolutely amazing. And he did it only three minutes into the fight. You definitely got to watch it because it, it just shows you how high level Paul Sass's grappling was and really makes you think about the fact that, like, man, if, like, the rest of his game was really sharp, the damage he could have done in the UFC. Yeah, I always kind of wanted, like, that 30 for 30 uh, DH1 behind the music on Paul Sass and what happened to him because for a while there, I mean, he is actually, he's probably like the triangle specialist of in MMA history. I can't think of anyone that, that has more, right? Mm -hmm. No, I, I definitely can't and, think of anybody who has more because not only, like I said, he, he rattled off like seven to start his career, and then he wound up with two in the UFC, including one against uh, Jacob Volkman, who was, who was a legit threat at the time as well. Yeah, so just really crazy how he just kind of flamed out, you know? Um, but anyway, again, not low-key within the vacuum of Pride. Low-key, and if you've never seen it, go out of your way. Pride 10, Return of the Warriors, couldn't be a more aptly named event because in, in the final uh, main event there, uh, you had Kazuhura Sakuraba uh, kamoring Uncle Henzo Gracie, and it is nasty. Henzo Gracie's elbow pops out. He actually doesn't tap. The ref essentially taps for him. But it is worth going out of your way to see. That is Pride 10. It's Sakuraba and his little pink salmon shorts. Uh, Kimura over Uncle Henzo Gracie. We love Uncle Henzo. Uh, and he is such a tough, bad MF'er. And it's never on more display than at Pride 10 when his elbow pops out uh, from a Kimura. So that's my submission. And, and as much as people talk about Saku as being like one of the... the beginning MMA greats and stuff like that. I feel like you're you're that's a great pick because he doesn't get like the playback that I think he deserves. And maybe that's just because like grappling in general doesn't get the playback it deserves, right? Like instead, you know, people want to see like, you know, Korean zombie versus Leonard Garcia at WEC where they just like fucking threw caution to the wind and threw absolute bombs, but but he had such exciting fights. I mean, on the feet too, but also really on the ground. So, yeah, definitely need more Saku uh, in this week leading up to the fights. Yeah, you know, I have to say that I think history is in the eye of the beholder, uh, and the victors write, you know, the history books. And I think the UFC has 
more or less kind of lost the story of pride in a lot of ways. It's not something they necessarily hype up, but what Sakuraba did was nothing short of uh, just insane. He's the greasy killer. Uh, you could almost make a case that, you know, he has more impressive submission victories than, um, than uh, Hoist. But that's another topic and another debate for another day. Gumby, this was fun. I'd like to do it again. But I think that about does it for us. You, of course, can follow the show at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Why don't you clean things up, wrap things up, take us home, get us out of here. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without Flow Combat, the mothership. Thanks for having us on and giving us a place to get to your fans' ears each and every week. We also want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social, Battle Plan Gear, and the Fight Call app. Make sure to go over to GetFightCall.com and get those updates. We also want to remind you to check out our Twitter because we've got a giveaway going on there courtesy of the Fight Call app. And we'll give you a little bit more details once you head on over to our Twitter page. It's going to be an awesome giveaway. Make sure to check it out. I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will see you next week.